Well, my dear friends, I want to ask you now to take your message outline. It's on a beige-colored piece of paper. The title at the top is Praying with Our Fingers, Part 3. Uh, slip your hand up if you need a message outline. If you don't have a bulletin, for example, slip your hand up and the ushers will pass one to you. And as they are doing that, I want to welcome our radio listeners across metropolitan Toronto and beyond. Welcome radio listeners as you join us for today's message here at Rosewood Church of the Nazarene in Scarborough. At the beginning of February, I challenged us as a Rosewood Church family to begin 70 days of prayer and fasting. It's right on the cover of your bulletin. 70 days of prayer and fasting from February the 6th to Easter Sunday, April the 16th. And over these weeks, I have invited us to pray for at least five minutes each day, praying that we will reach our missionary goal by the end of April, praying for the safety of a persecuted Christian family of four overseas in Pakistan, and praying for your own biggest problem or challenge or issue for the Lord's help to, to enable you to have victory over whatever it is that especially has been burdening you, that has been troubling your own heart and your own life. And I invited us to make Fridays, Fridays a day of fasting, and encouraged you to determine what would be an appropriate way for you to fast or to deny yourself on Fridays. Or if for some reason Fridays was not a suitable date, then I invited you to choose the date. Amen. And some of you have told me of how you've been praying and fasting and what you've been doing to just let the Lord know that you are serious, serious about communicating with him, serious about the prayer matters that you're presenting to the Lord. In this series, I have shared with you a different way or let's say a unique way of, of praying and I've called this three-part series Praying with Our Fingers, Praying with Our Fingers. Psalm 88 verse 9 says, Each day I beg for your help, O Lord. I lift up my hands, I lift up my hands to you for mercy. And I've, I've talked about how sometimes, you know, we might pray with hands lifted up like this. Many times we, we pray in what we might call a very traditional way with our hands folded in front of us like, like this. And, and I've suggested to you that each finger could remind us to pray in a specific way. And I, I said to you, Let's, let's think of the left hand. The left hand is reminding us as to who to pray for, who to pray for, amen? And, uh, and I said, basically, when we put our hands up like this and we think of the left hand, the, the thumb, the thumb obviously points to our heart, it points to our heart, and we said, let's Let's remember to pray for family and friends, right? The thumb can remind us to regularly pray for your family members and friends that are dear to you. Then we said the, the index finger, the index finger can remind us to pray for teachers and leaders, 
teachers and leaders, uh, people who point the way, people who, who, uh, who, who are involved in giving our children, our youth, and us adults some guidance, some guidance. And I gave different examples of teachers and leaders. Well, then we, we said, let's, let's pray for the, the, the tallest finger, the tallest finger to remind us to pray for influencers in our society. And I mentioned that that could be the influencers occasionally might be um, a prime minister, might be a president, but the reality is in our culture in North America, some of the main influencers are, are um, big name musicians, right? Uh, big name athletes and uh, celebrities, celebrities. And we, we need to pray for them. We need to pray that they will have the right influence in our society because they do have a lot of influence whether we like it or not. Then we talked about how this finger, this, this finger on the left hand, it, it tends to be kind of weak, right? It tends to kind of weak. I, I, can't, I can't do too many push-ups with it myself, right? But that, I can't do any push-ups. That's what my wife is thinking. <laughs> Honey, there was a time when I could do, I could, I could fall on the ground, I could do 50 push-ups, 50 push-ups in, in, I don't know, what was it, just a few minutes. There was a day. How, how many of you could do 50 push-ups? <laughs> Boy, I didn't see any hands go up, and some of you are real athletes. Anyway, so the, this finger reminds us, okay, when we go like this, that finger reminds us to pray for, for the weak, and that, that that's those who are sick, the sick, the poor, children. Children are obviously small and, and weak and need, need help and guidance from us adults. Uh, we need to pray for the elderly, handicapped, dear people, okay? And, um, and, then, and then we said the little finger, the little finger on the left hand can remind us to pray for, for me, for myself, or to pray for you, yourself, okay? To pray for your individual needs. So. Initially, we, we pray for others, for others such as family and friends, teachers, leaders, influencers, and so on. But, but you know, it's okay to pray for ourselves, but we, we don't want to be selfish and start with ourselves all the time, right? Okay, so then in the second message, in the second message, we started to get into, into the right hand, all right? The, the left hand reminds us to pray for, for people, right? For who to pray for. The right hand now can remind us as to what to pray for, what to pray for. And once again, if we put our hands out and my right hand is like that, the thumb is, is what? The thumb is pointing to my heart. And that can remind us to pray for, for our heart and pray for the heart of others. And in last week's message, I spoke of, and the, uh, there's a summary in your bulletin because I had a lot to say about this. We need to pray that we would have the right heart. God is more concerned about what we are like on the inside than on the outside. Amen? Okay? And so 
we, we need to regularly pray and say, Lord, I, I, need, I need your work, your Holy Spirit in my heart so that I have the right attitude, the right spirit, so that you by your spirit cleanse my heart. You make, you make me into a holy person. You make my heart holy. You sanctify my heart. So we talked about that in a significant part of the message last week. Okay, so now we move, we move further into part three. And uh, today, as we think of maybe holding up our hands, we, we come now to this finger, this right hand index finger. And remember, we're talking about what to pray for. The right hand reminds us of what to pray for. And so this index finger, this index finger can remind us to pray for priorities and schedule, okay? For priorities and schedule. It, uh, it can remind us to pray for things that are really the most important or should be the most important thing in life, your priorities. Uh, pray, about, pray about what should be first things first each day. What should you and I do? What, what should we keep at the forefront, okay? So let's talk, let's talk about what might be some of the priorities for most of us, priorities that we should regularly pray about and constantly have on our mind. What are some of those priorities that we should make sure we fit into our schedule? Well, number one, for those of you making notes, number one, there is the priority to seek first the kingdom of God. Amen? Matthew chapter 6, verse 33 says, Seek the kingdom of God above all else and live righteously, and he will give you everything you need. Now that's the New Living Translation. The New International Version, translation that was done from the Greek and the Hebrew in the 1970s, the International Version says, but seek first his kingdom and his righteousness, and all these things will be given to you as well. Well, whenever you and I are about to say something or do something, we should ask ourselves the question. We should ask ourselves, if I say or do this, whatever it is, if I say or do this, will I be truly seeking first the kingdom of God? Think about it. Will, will I truly be seeking first the kingdom of God? Now, I'm a very practical person, as most of you hopefully have discovered, so let me just give you some down-to-earth down examples. Some down-to-earth examples. Here's one. Sometimes, sometimes I hear people say something like, well, well, I, I skipped church last Sunday because, because I had some out-of-town guests staying at our home last weekend. Now, I would think that if a person is seeking first the kingdom of God, he or she would say to their wonderful guests, he or she would say something like, you know, I am, I am so happy. We are so happy you are visiting with us and I would love for you to go to Sunday school and church with us Sunday morning, 
But, but if you prefer to stay at our home, I can, I can show you where the coffee and tea is located. I can show you where the bread for toast, cereal, and whatever else you might like. And you can help yourself, and we'll be home. We'll be home from church around 1 or 1.30, at which time I'll make lunch for all of us. Amen? You didn't know I was that smart, did you? Right? Other times, other times people say, people say, oh, I, I, I missed church. I skipped church last Sunday because, because I had a baby shower or a wedding shower or a work party or a birthday party to go to at 12 noon. Well, I would think, I would think that if a person is seeking first the kingdom of God, you would lovingly and kindly phone up whoever invited you and, and you would simply say, thank you, thank you for inviting me or for inviting us to the shower or to the party. I look forward to coming, I look forward to coming, but I, I probably won't be able to get there until about 1 or 1.30 p.m. after church finishes. And if the pastor really gets blessed and makes the message extra long, it could be a little bit later. All right? As we, as we look ahead, as we look ahead to the spring and the summer, many of you will be enrolling your children and youth in spring and summer sporting events. Some of you know what I'm about to say. Now, I believe, I believe that if you are truly seeking first the kingdom of God, and if you want your child to learn to seek first the kingdom of God, you will enroll your son or daughter in sports leagues that play Monday through Saturday and not on Sunday. Not on Sunday. Is there an amen in the house? Thank you. Your child or youth, all right? Your son or daughter cannot afford to miss Sunday school and church services for months at a time. Our son, Jeremy, many of you know him, was a star athlete, followed in the footsteps of his father. <laughs> no, he was a better athlete than I was. But anyway, Jeremy was a star athlete throughout his public school days and high school days. And one of the most important decisions we made as a family was to never enroll Jeremy or our daughter Amy in Sunday sports. Very important decision that we made. So, are you going, are you going to seek first the kingdom of God for yourself and for your children, your youth? And you decide. It's a decision each one of us has to make. The bottom line is, make choices which will help you to grow spiritually, whether it pertains to Sunday or other, other days and other events. Second Peter in the Bible, Second Peter chapter 3, verse 18 says, it, you must grow in the grace and knowledge of our Lord and Savior Christ Jesus. Isn't that beautiful? You must grow in the grace and knowledge of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. So, let your index finger, let your index finger remind you about the priority to seek, seek first the kingdom of God. Are you with me now? Anybody want to beat me up? 
I still love you anyway. All right? Here is another priority. Here's another priority our right index finger can remind us of to, to pray about. Okay? Second priority is the priority of seeking to find a good balance between spending time with family and friends, church, doing church ministry, work or school, leisure and relaxation, and sleep. Stick with me. There is a need for most of us to pray about trying to find the proper balance as to where and how we spend our time. There are occasions when we need to spend more time with our family. Other times, we need to invest more time in our church ministry or in your job at your workplace or, or school, for those of you who are in school. Most of you know that a few months ago, our, our son, Jeremy, needed to have major open heart surgery and they needed to cut him from here down to here to get to the heart and do what was necessary to do. Normally, normally on the day when, uh, when he had his open heart surgery, I would have been carrying out my regular pastoral duties such as visiting other people in various Toronto hospitals, preparing for my Sunday messages, carrying out uh, administrative details, returning people's phone calls and writing emails to people and so on. However, however, on the day of his surgery, on the day of my son's surgery, my priority obviously was what? Was to be was to be at the hospital with my son and other family members, praying for him, praying for his wife, Kirby, who's a, just a wonderful young lady, praying for my wife, who's also a wonderful young lady. <laughs> Five brownie points. <laughs> praying for the Lord to direct the surgical team through the very complicated surgery that Jeremy was about to experience. Okay? Sometimes we might have to temporarily set aside our church ministry or our job to give special attention to a family need, right? There are times when you need to do that, I need to do that. Other times, other times, we need to give priority to our church ministry or to your schoolwork or or your job. Brother Adrian, can you try turning off the monitors up here, please? Thank you. Now, I can give you, I can give you many personal examples, but, but here is just, just one on this issue of how sometimes we, we have to switch our priorities as to where we invest our time. Here, here's one example. Years ago, my wife and I, along with our children and my two brothers and sister and their families, um, had gathered, had gathered at my parents' home on December 26th, Boxing Day, for Christmas dinner. Sometimes, sometimes our extended family would get together on, on Christmas Day, sometimes Boxing Day, depending on all sorts of variables, as often happens probably with your families as well. So. 
Obviously, December 26th was a, was a, uh, a holiday. It was a family day. We were having a, a, a lovely time, having Christmas dinner, exchanging gifts. And then, and then I received a very urgent phone call. The dear heartbroken man on the phone said something like this. He said, uh, I could hardly make out what he was saying because of his heartbroken state. But he said, Pastor, my sister, my sister and her son were killed in a terrible car accident. And he said, the police, the police have just called me and, and asked if I would go to the morgue to identify their bodies. And obviously, I, I expressed my love and sympathy to him and to his family over the phone, and I prayed with him over the phone. And, and, then, and then I most likely said something like this to him. I, I would have said, my friend, would you, would you like me to pick you up and take you to the morgue, or would you like, to meet, or would you like me to meet you at the morgue? After hanging up the phone, I, I said to my family, Family, tragically, a dear man's sister and her son died in a bad car accident. The police have just asked him to go to the city morgue to identify their bodies. I said, I am going with him to hopefully be a little support. And then I excused myself. When we went into the morgue, when we went into the morgue, all I could really do is just hug hug the grieving brother and, the, and his wife, who was obviously grieving as well. All I could do is hug them and weep with them. But I knew that that was where I needed to be. I knew that staying at the family Christmas celebration was not the place for me to remain at that point in time. Of course, that, that is an extreme example, but I, I, I told you it. I told you it simply to say that whether it's you or me, there will be times when your priority needs to almost instantaneously shift, shift from a, a focus on your immediate family to loving and caring for someone else's family. Now that probably needs to happen more often with us pastors because of our calling. But nevertheless, there are times when your, your focus needs to change as well. Does this make sense? Amen? Here's a third priority to regularly pray about. A third priority, which the index finger can remind us of, okay? Third priority is the priority to practice the golden rule. The golden rule is stated in Matthew chapter seven, verse 12. Why don't you read it out loud with me from the big screen. Do to others whatever you would like them to do to you. This is the essence of all that is taught in the law and the prophets. Remember, it says, do to others what you would like them to do to you. It doesn't say, do to others before they do to you. To do others 
whatever you would like them to do to you. The commentator on this uh, Bible verse in the New Living Translation Life Application Study Bible says something beautiful. He says this. He says, the golden rule, as Jesus formulated it, is the foundation of active goodness and mercy, the kind of love God shows to us every day. And then he says, think of a good and merciful action you can do today. Isn't that beautiful? It's beautiful. Well, when you look at the index finger on your right hand, let it remind you to pray about keeping the right priorities and the right schedule in your life. Amen? Let's now consider what the tallest finger on our right hand the tallest finger on the right hand might stand for, and it is this. The tallest finger can, uh, can stand for my influence, my influence, or my example, or your influence, your example. We need to pray. We need to pray and, and say, Lord, I pray that today, today, and this coming week, I pray that you would help me to be a good influence and, and a wonderful example of what it means to be a Christian, what it means to be a servant. You know, you might say, Lord, people are going to see me today. I'll be act, re- interacting with different people. Lord, I want to be a good influence, a good example. I want to be a good witness for Jesus. And it's good for you to pray for God to help you be a good example to other people. Amen? Pray, pray, something like, God, help me to be a good example for you at school, for students who are at school. Help me be a good example at work, uh, on the street where I live, the people I meet at the grocery store, folks I meet at the gym, if you, you, know, go, you go to a gym, people I meet at church. Lord, help me to be a positive influence, a positive spiritual influence. Help me to be a, a good example of encouragement to whomever I meet. Let it be so. Uh, Titus chapter two in the Bible, verse six, says this. It says, and you yourself must be an example to them by doing good works of every kind. Let everything you do reflect the integrity and seriousness of your teaching. Isn't that good? Amen? On this point, on this point of our right, uh, the right Uh, tallest finger, reminding us to pray for our influence and example, we need to remember that sometimes our almost silent or unintended comments or actions can have more influence than we are aware of. Now, Now stick with me on this. Than we are aware of. Um, This this came to my mind through a few incidences that have happened, for example, with my little grandson, baby Yanni. About, um, about a year ago, when he was approximately a year and a half old, he and his mom, maybe his dad was there, I can't remember, but anyway, baby Yanni was over at our home for supper, and um, 
And he was in the corner of the living room playing with some nice toys that, that my wife has for him. And wonderfully, some of the toys, some of the toys we kept from when Amy and Jeremy were, were little. Have you folks kept some toys from when your kids were small? Isn't it nice to bring them out and, and see, you know, see another generation use them? I think, praise God, they didn't have to spend money there. <laughs> uh, but more importantly, you know, the toys, some of the toys are still in great condition. Anyway, so anyway, he was playing with his toys, and I was on the other side of the room, and, um, and what, what exactly happened then? Um, um, yeah, I, w- I was just on the other side of the room, and I sneezed. I sneezed. He heard me, and he lifts his head and says, bless you. <laughs> and then he went about playing with his toys again. And so he's playing with his toys, and I was doing whatever I was doing, and you know, I couldn't hold it in again. So I, I, I sneezed again. And that little guy popped his head up. Bless you. <laughs> and I remember thinking, scratching my head, I, I almost laughed. I thought, how does this little boy who can barely speak, how does this little boy know to say bless you? You know, it just, I sneezed, bless you. I sneezed, bless you. <laughs> you know, and then I thought, I thought, you know what? I imagine when he sneezes, his mom, my daughter, uh, our daughter, our daughter. <laughs> she belongs to my wife, Cindy, as well. Anyway, I, I suppose that when he sneezes at home, his mom and, and dad probably say, bless you. And so he's picked up on it. Adrian, does that make sense? And then, and then uh, I don't know, three or four weeks ago, three, three or four weeks ago, he really surprised me. He really surprised me because... Again, he was over for supper, and he was in, in his little corner playing with some of the lovely little toys there. And, um, and I was in the opposite side of the room. I was deliberately actually keeping my distance from him because uh, a few weeks ago I was, I was wrestling with some kind of a bug. I mean, I was hiding it, I was hiding it, and really was trying not to tell hardly anyone that I was wrestling with it. Although a few of you on Sunday said, Pastor Nick, you, you, were really having, you, you were really having a tough time with your voice. And I had to say, you're right, you're right. Anyway, um, but so anyway, I was keeping my distance just to make sure that if I had something, it didn't get spread to him. But so he was playing with his toys there. And I was at the other, <clears throat> I think it was another room or just quite a ways from him. And um, I, started, I started to have a coughing spell. I started to cough away. And to my surprise, this little grandson of mine, he, uh, he left his toys, wa- walked over, walked over, looked up at me, and he said, Papa, are you okay, Papa? Papa, are you okay? I said, uh, yeah, Yanni, I'm, I'm okay, sweetheart, I'm okay. So he said, okay. So then he, he walked back, he walked back to uh, his play department, you know, he walked back, and so I continued with whatever I was doing there and got some Kleenex and whatever. And um, so he's playing away. And then, I don't know, a minute later, I started to have another bad coughing spell. I had another bad coughing spell. And guess what? He stops his playtime, looks up, and he says, Papa, 
Papa, are, are you okay, Papa? Are you okay, Papa? And of course, I looked at him, smiled, and I said, <laughs> I said, I said, Yanni, <clears throat> I'm okay, thank you. I'm okay, you know. I, I reflected on, on that incident as well, and I thought, how, you know, how did this little boy, how did this little boy get any idea, get the idea of, okay, when his grandfather coughs away, or anybody, how did he pick up this idea to drop what he's doing and go over and ask, like a grown-up, and ask, are you okay, Papa? Are you okay? As if he could do something about it. <laughs> you know? And uh, I asked myself, well, how, how does a little child like that know? And, and the answer must be what? The answer must be, when he's been coughing or having a hard time, his mother, father, have probably said to him, Yanni, sweetheart, are you okay? Are you okay? Not knowing, I'm sure, not knowing, not really being aware, uh, my daughter would probably was not aware that their actions as a mother and father were really becoming embedded in his little mind. Does that make sense? So that, so that now... He sees someone coughing away. In this case, it was his grandfather. He drops his toys and goes over and, and says, Papa, are, are you okay? What I'm simply saying, my friends, is whether it's your child or someone else's child or your grandson or granddaughter, the simple truth is sometimes our children and young people and adults pick up pick up things in almost an indirect way, in a, in a quiet way. Does that make sense? Yeah? Yeah? Amen. What we do silently or in an unofficial way might be having more influence or might be more of an example than we realize. Let's move on now to the right hand's ring finger, okay? The, the right hand's ring, ring finger, we can call it the ring finger. And this finger, this, this finger can remind us to pray about our relationships. Relationships, okay? The fourth finger represents prayer for our relationships. And that can mean praying um, for your relationships with your family, um, and uh, about your relationship with your spouse, if you're married, it can it can involve praying uh, praying about your relationships with people you work with or folks that you go to school with, praying about your relationship with people that you do ministry with, amen. So let let you know when you spend some time in prayer, and if you want to follow this guide for prayer, and you, you come to that finger. You say, Lord, I, I want to pray. I want to pray about my relationship with my family, my friends. Oh, Lord, you know, I had a big disagreement with such, such a friend. I know it wasn't my fault, Lord, but it was their fault. But still, we got to fix things. Right? <laughs> okay. Then uh, on, on the right hand, we come to the baby finger. Okay? We come to the small, the small finger. And this small finger can remind us to pray for, um, 
Well, to pray about small words and small deeds which can be a big blessing. All right, stick with me on this. I really believe this, is, this can be so important in your life and in mine. The small right finger can inspire you to pray for the Lord to guide you to express small, word, uh, small words uh, or small deeds, which can be a big blessing. In the Bible, for instance, in Mark, Gospel of Mark, chapter 6, verses 41 to 44, we are told of a little boy who gave his five loaves and two fish to Jesus. Jesus took them, blessed them, and fed 5,000 men and their families. Sometimes a little, a little deed, a, a, a little word can result in something big. Sometimes it might not be a, a, a big result, but it can still be a beautiful, small result. Isn't that so? Recently, recently I was picking up a few groceries from a metro grocery store. It was lunchtime, and so I thought I would buy a very reasonably priced, beautiful, big slice of pizza from their snack bar. I know some of you probably are saying, you shouldn't be eating pizza, Pastor Nick. Okay, that's another story. Okay. All right. So anyway, so I bought this uh, slice of pizza from the snack bar, they had, a, they had a little counter over there, uh, away from where they serve it. They had a counter, and so I, I ate it. I ate it, and, and I found it delicious. It was really excellent, excellent pizza. And I wondered, I wondered if the ladies who baked the pizza had any idea what excellent pizza they make there. Someone's getting blessed about this. That's good, that's good. Bless her Lord. <laughs> uh, but anyway, I wondered, you know, if they really knew of how outstanding their pizza was. So I walked over, I walked over to the lady that I was told baked the pizza in their oven there. I walked over to her, not thinking it was any big deal, but I walked over to her and I simply said, I simply said, excuse me, ma'am, I just want you to know, I just want, want you to know, you make a fantastic pizza. I just had one of your pizzas, a slice of it. Thank you so very much. It's absolutely delicious. And this dear lady perked up her head and said this. She said, you know, Sir, you know, I've worked here for 11 years. Ever since this store opened, and you are the first person to ever come back to thank me and tell me that I make a great pizza. She said, thank you so much for telling me. You have made my day. And I, I said to her, oh, come on, I, come on. I, I, I'm, I'm sure I'm not the first one to tell you what excellent baking you, you and the others do. She said, sir, uh, I'm the one that's been here 11 years. 
the first time anyone has said something nice about what we bake. I thought, wow. It was another reminder to me of how sometimes small words and small deeds can be a big blessing. I wouldn't be surprised if that dear lady went home for supper that night and said to her family, you won't believe this. You won't believe this. Some guy in some suit. (laughs) Some guy in some suit told me that I make the greatest pizza in the world. (laughs) Amen. Amen. May the Lord, may the Lord help each of us to speak small words and regularly do small deeds, which can be a big blessing. Amen? Amen. Amen. So my friends, this concludes our three-part series on praying with our fingers. Now for some of you, if you will take to heart what we've talked about in these messages, some of you can end up using this as a guide for prayer for the, next, for the next 70 years of your life. Some of you might say, well, it doesn't quite fit me, Pastor Nick, and that's okay. But maybe that something, something from these messages will, will linger on in your life. And so as we just uh, reflect now, and we think of the left hand, the left hand, help me out now, the thumb reminds us to what? Pray for family and friends. The index finger reminds us to pray for teachers and leaders, those that give us some direction in life. The tallest finger on the left hand reminds us to pray for influencers, that they'll be a good influence on our society. The ring finger reminds us to pray for the sick, the poor, the children, the elderly, the handicapped, the small finger. Pray for you, for me, me, myself, for your special needs, your individual needs. And then the right hand, the right hand, the thumb reminds us to pray for my heart, the heart of others, family members' hearts, right? And then the index finger, to pray for priorities and schedule. Tallest finger, pray for your influence and example. The ring finger, pray for relationships, relationships. And the little finger, small finger, pray for small words and small deeds the Lord can bring to your mind that can make a big difference in someone else's life. Amen, amen. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, I I thank you. I thank you for how these different fingers can remind us, can remind us to pray about the various matters we've spoken of. And Lord, I thank you for whether it was Pastor Rick Warren or whether it was someone else who initially came up with some of these ideas as to what the fingers can stand for. Whoever initially came up with these ideas, Lord, may you bless them for, for their creativity. And, and we, we just pray that 
that as we individually apply, apply these truths to our personal lives, that it will help our prayer life. And Lord, as we have been in this series of 70 days, 70 days of prayer and fasting, we want to, we want to become more focused in our prayers and to be more earnest in our praying, to spend more time in prayer, to pray at least five minutes a day and a whole lot more and better connect with you. And Lord, as we pray, we want to first of all know that we have that right relationship with you. As we think of praying, praying about our heart, we know, Lord, that we want our heart to be made right with you by seeking forgiveness of sins, believing that Jesus, your son, died on the cross to pay the price for our sins, and knowing in our heart that we are forgiven, that we're adopted into your family, and that we have the gift of eternal life. Oh God, hear our individual prayers, whether it's when we're in church like this, whether it's when we're at home, whether it's uh, when we, we are in hospital ourselves, or in a hospital visiting someone and praying for them. Lord, thank you for hearing our prayers. And may you, may you answer each prayer in accordance, in accordance with each person's need and situation. In Jesus' name we pray, amen, amen.